back in the fur shed. This is the Trapping Today podcast. I am your host, your worn out, tired, played out host, Jeremiah Wood. Thank you for listening in. If you were expecting this podcast episode last night, uh, I'm a day late. Got kind of a self-imposed Sunday evening deadline, but I've always typically done them on Saturday in case something comes up on Sunday and I can't get it done. Um, Been right out straight hauling hay the last two days uh, for my beef cattle, and uh, yesterday night got home. I was about 10 o'clock, 10.30, and I was so tired, I just didn't quite have it in me to, to sit down and record an episode. So here we are. Uh, you'll get this, those of you who listen to this Monday morning, you won't even notice the difference. And if it's months from now and you're just finding out about the podcast, all the more better. So the Trapping Today podcast is brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S.com. Thanks, Cots Bros, for the the uh, giveaway that you guys sponsored here for the past couple of weeks got to uh, introduce a couple of people to Kellen's uh, flat set fix DVD and black book of coyote trapping. You can find those at cotsbros.com. You can find Bates lures, other books and DVDs. Basically uh, if you're just getting going trapping, Cotsbros is a great place to get started. Very friendly, excellent service, and they got a lot of good products at a good price. Podcast is also sponsored by Fur Harvesters Auction Company, where the world comes to buy wild fur. Group of guys up in uh, Ontario, Canada, that are our trappers, and they run this auction house. They uh, work really hard to get uh, the best price for your fur. They they put together a really good collection of fur every season. Have a couple three auctions, and they tend to get some really good prices relative to uh, a lot of other places. So you should always look to for a number of different avenues to sell your fur. Uh, but I think I would highly recommend trying out Fur Harvesters. You can find more at furharvesters.com or call them at area code 705-495-4688. The website, you can find places to ship fur, uh, instructions, uh, pickup locations, and the dates that they'll be picking up fur for the coming season. And you can also look back at past auction results to get an idea of what prices have been bringing. All right, so in tonight's episode, we're going to go over a couple of quick things, and then we're going to talk under ice beaver trapping. Sounds a little bit uh, out of place in the middle of summer to be talking about under ice beaver trapping, but there's a reason for that, and we'll get into that in a minute. First, I wanted to give a little shout out uh, Mike Kelly over at Wild River Traps, a podcast listener. He makes uh, pans, and I talked about getting the uh, MB550 traps and trying out uh, some of those for this fall trapping season. And Mike actually makes um, large expanded pans for those traps. So he sent me a couple dozen of those. Thanks a lot, Mike. I really appreciate that. These are kind of like, uh, I would say, the blue-collar version of expanded pans. So they don't have like all the angles cut out to get the absolute maximum amount of surface area inside the jaws that you could get. Uh, but they do increase the surface area of the pan pretty substantially. They are priced very, very reasonably, and uh, they, they're pretty rugged-looking. Um, you can either weld them onto the 550s or uh, what... Mike suggested I do because he knows that I am not much for welding 
is I'm going to put some rivets in there. Um, two to three rivets uh, should do it and should be pretty easy to put these, get these on to the, um, the MB550s. So if you want to learn more about uh, what Mike m uh, makes and what he has there, you can go to uh, wildrivertraps.com. And finally, I mentioned in a previous episode that I was ordering some uh, K9 Extreme Junior traps from No BS Lures from uh, Kendall Obermeyer. And I just received those in the mail. Ordered them a couple weeks ago. I figured they wouldn't come right off because those boys are right straight out going to conventions. And I believe they were there at the uh, NTA a couple weeks ago. Um, but And all these traps are made like when you order them. They, they are made at the time you order them for the most part. So it uh, it was it was probably they had just enough time to get back from conventions and uh, crank these right out and got them out the door. And based on the description of the trap from reading up on it, um, it is it is that and then some definitely exceeded my expectations. It is a little tank, this canine extreme junior. Uh, it's a junior, but it's it's uh, it kind of it, it's very similar in kind of size and profile, a little bit bigger than the uh, Bridger number two Bridger number two Northwoods square jaw, and you look at that and I mean it's like it it is uh, it is such a beefed up version in every way. It it just puts those other traps to shame. Really, it all the steel is much much thicker. Uh, the design is, in my opinion, superior. It appears to be. I'll tell you a little more when when I actually get out and use these. Some um, it comes with a a really nice kind of powder coated finish. Uh, very well manufactured, and the trap it, it's like right out of the box. It's ready to go. I mean, it's and and you know we get a lot of crazy regulations here in Maine. We get to have. Uh, Chain swivels is going to be traps going to be mounted to the center third of the base plate. Um, all that stuff is done here. You get the base plate uh, D ring mounted on with a swivel underneath it. Then you get some machine link chain and another swivel. Um, I'm going to put a pop another swivel right in between that section of chain, um, and um, I'll be good to go. Basically, maybe a little bit of adjustment on the pan tension, which is just a simple. Uh, screwdriver and uh, uh, a nut driver or a wrench. This thing's ready to go. Don't no adjustment necessary. It's pretty amazing. So uh, the mine, the ones I got were four coiled with offset jaws and uh, and outside lamination. These are dogless trap. That they have a night latch on the pan, and th it's just boy, it's just incredible. The pan is a nice low profile sets. Sets quite a ways a little below the jaws. Really, not much you could do to improve on this trap. I mean, um, perhaps maybe an expander pan uh, would be interesting. Would be worth trying on it. But other than that, man, this thing is quite slick looking. Um, so I, I'm pretty excited to try these out. The, actually, I mean, when you with shipping, the price really isn't that bad. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they're able to make a trap this rugged and this well-built for such a low price relative to, you know, what you're paying for other traps. 
So the probably the closest trap you could compare this to would be the MB550. I like this better than the 550 because uh, the inside jaw spread is half inch larger on this trap. Um, and there's just some features of this trap that I, I really like. Um, the, the 550, you're talking like 205 a dozen. Um, I can't remember what these what these were a dozen, but I'm thinking somewhere around one, uh, 240. So they're a little more expensive, but the difference being you're buying these directly from the manufacturer so they don't go through sort of a, uh, they don't wholesale this or distribute it to other people, uh, which means uh, they're, they're able to uh, provide, I think, a little better price point relative to what they would have to have. If they manufacture these and then sold them, uh, two trap and supply companies, I think you'd have to have quite a price tag on this thing. But anyway, I like it so far. Just by looking at the first half dozen that I have received, uh, I'm thinking I'm going to probably order at least another half dozen um, in the mail here as soon as I can get some of my old traps sold and uh, get some money, be able to order some of these, and uh, I'll also get on to some, some 550s and and try them out as well. Alright, so I'm going to take a quick little break and we'll get into under ice beaver trapping. Okay, as I record this, approximately two weeks from now, I'm going to be at Neil Olson's New England Trappers Weekend in Bethel, Maine. Really looking forward to it. Excited. Been there the last couple of years and I I love it. Love being around a bunch of trappers, learning new things, talking shop with other trappers, getting supplies and all of that stuff. But it's going to be a little different this year because I am giving a demo on Friday afternoon on under ice beaver trapping. And I know you some of you might be laughing, what the heck is this guy doing talking under ice beaver trapping? He's uh 35-year-old trapper. There should should be a dude with gray hair that's giving this demo. And, and I kind of thought the same. I was laughing to myself because uh, about a week ago, I talked with an old-timer trapper who has used to, when he was in his prime, three to four hundred beaver under the ice was, uh, was no big deal for him in the season. Uh, he was a, a big-time trapper. A beaver were, were selling at, at times during that period for a dollar an inch. And he, that was really, really big money back then. He made his full-time living. You could make a year's salary just trapping beaver for a few months in the winter. So so he went hard, and he's still trapping, oh, 50, 60, 70 beaver a winter, and he, he's darn near 80 years old. So uh, that's really the guy that I'd like to see give a demo. But, but uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to get people to give demos and and. I couldn't really say no. I thought it'd be a great opportunity that uh, when when Neil called up and and we got to talking, so so I'm gonna do it, and I'm I'm kind of excited about it. I think uh, the the biggest thing that I want to get across to people is just kind of get get people thinking, get your mind working, and uh, explore some of the things that I have learned in the few years that I've been doing this under ice beaver trapping, and and of course I know I will continue to learn every year, but I. Uh, who knows? I, I like Neil said. He learns from people all the time, and and uh, uh, hopefully there's one or two things that a few people in the audience uh, could pick up and and learn from. And of course, there's a lot of younger people, a lot of people that are just getting into trapping that uh, that, that hopefully would benefit from some of this. So 
I'm going to give that demo, and I haven't really gone through or practiced what I was going to say or talk about. I've thought about it some, uh, but I just put together kind of a, a few notes and a little bit of an outline. So I thought I would go over that with you today, and uh, we'll see how much of it we get through. We may have to split it up, um, or we may bang it out in one episode. We'll see. But uh, I'm just going to kind of go through my notes and, and give kind of the the talk uh, on under ice beaver trapping. So under ice beaver trapping, it's a, it's a very interesting topic to discuss in the trapping world because number one, it's there's kind of a unique subset of people that can trap beaver under the ice. First of all, half the country doesn't have good ice during trapping season to be able to, to trap beavers. Uh, so you're, you're talking about northern states and then within those northern states and within those trapping communities, not a lot of people really bother to get get at beaver under the ice anymore. So it's a it's one of those things that a, a small subset of people um, get into. Now I thought I'd mention just a quick little fun fact. Does anybody know who Sam White is? Um, Sam White, for those of you who are uh, podcast listeners here, Sam was a uh, an old trapper from Maine who moved to Alaska. He became a legendary bush pilot um, in Alaska. One f- interesting fact is that Sam White was the guy who actually introduced a lot of under ice beaver trapping methods to people in uh, the bush of Alaska. The Alaskas, Alaskans in those native villages, the old school trappers, um, most of them did not believe you could trap beavers under the ice. And Sam, Sam, uh, went out there and and was very successful catching beavers through the ice and he taught those methods to people throughout a number of different villages so um, sometimes uh, it's it's interesting to see how things kind of get get shared uh, throughout the trapping community even from as far away as Maine to Alaska now let's talk about under ice beaver trapping when I every time I mention that I trap beaver under the ice uh the first most common response I get from people and mostly from other trappers is why? Why on earth would you waste your time chipping through all that ice, digging through, snowshoeing, going through all that snow to try to get a beaver that you can catch in the fall or in the spring uh, way more effectively right next to the road and you don't have to work very hard for it. Uh, the most common advice I receive, because of course when you talk to other trappers, everybody's got advice for you. The most common advice I receive about under ice beaver trapping is don't do it. It's a waste of time. It's too much work. You're crazy. Um, so I get a lot of that, but I want to go over just why I like to trap beaver under the ice. And I have several different reasons. Uh, and I've kind of learned and developed these over time and, and sort of as I've spent a little more time every year trapping beaver through the ice, I've I've uh, I've learned myself what I like about it and why I, I want to do it. Um, one reason is the pelt is the most prime under the ice. It's kind of at its peak primeness right in the middle of the winter. You know, in the fall when you're trapping beaver early, uh, you're not typically dealing with the very prime pelt. It's kind of priming up as you go into the winter. And then on the other end, in the spring, we have a spring season here in Maine. And as the, after the beaver gets out from under the ice and starts moving around, is in the sun, fighting with other beavers, 
there's a lot of damage and the pelt is a much lower quality in the spring. That's one reason. It's really not the biggest reason. Uh, one of the big reasons is it's when I have the most free time. Uh, summer, spring, summer, and fall are just absolutely crazy times of year for me because I always have something going on, whether it's my, my real job, whether it's the farm work here at home, or uh, other trapping, or fishing, or hunting. There's always something going on. Uh, the middle of winter, I get free time, and it's a good opportunity to get out of the house and take advantage of that free time. Another reason, nobody's out there. No one else is doing it. Uh, for some reason, I'm attracted to activities that I'm the only one that does, or, or very few other people do. So <clears throat> to be able to go out and trap beaver through the ice in the middle of winter and never see another trapper, except on a very rare occasion, to me that's a, a special thing. I really enjoy that, and I think it's kind of neat. Uh, so fewer people doing it, I'm more interested. And then finally, the big reason, one of the biggest reasons is, in my opinion, under ice beaver trapping is kind of the last refuge for a free trapper in Maine. We have dealt with so many restrictive regulations in, in trapping in the state, um, whether it's uh, check laws, um, jaw spread restrictions, trap requirements. There, there are just a pile of different things that have made it more and more difficult uh, to trap successfully or to get creative. So the beauty about under ice beaver trapping is it's it's probably the only activity left where you can pretty much do what you want to do as a trapper. There are no check laws. That means I can go on the weekends. If I only have Sundays, I can, I can check and set traps on Sunday. I can wait until the next Sunday to go back out and check my traps and, and remake sets and so on. So it's flexible with the check law. Um, you can use things that you can't use on land here in Maine. So you can use snares under the ice. We can't use snares on the ground. You can have traps with teeth in the jaws. Just um, a number of different things that you can do under the ice you can't do in, in other aspects of trapping here. Um, there, the, We don't have to deal with um, another set of regulations as setback distances from beaver house, beaver dam. We don't have that where I trap beaver. We have a super long season. So from the time the ice forms in late November, early December, all the way through till pretty much the last few years, the end of April, we've still been chopping ice and trapping beavers. So it's a super long season. And just overall, you can get creative and you can try different things. And I like that as a trapper, learning and, you know, it would be kind of boring doing the same thing over and over and over again. So the, the ability to get creative and try new things is really attractive to me. So let's say you want to go under ice beaver trapping. Getting prepared, prepping. What are you going to do? Uh, the number one, probably most important thing is scouting. So there are a number of ways to do this. Basically, it's just like you would scout when you're open water trapping. You're just going out looking for active lodges. It can be very deceiving at times if you haven't spent a lot of time looking at beaver lodges. Uh, there are a lot of times you can have an old abandoned lodge, an abandoned flowage that is still, the dam's still holding back water, but it's not really being maintained. And you go there in the wintertime and there won't be any beaver around. So you've got to find active lodges. Uh, you can you can look at aerial maps. You can uh, Some people will fly. You know, back when beaver prices were high, 
a lot of trappers would would charter planes and go out and fly and mark off all the the flowages the head active uh, beaver in them you ride around on the roads um, mark that stuff with gps works pretty well some guys even go as far as to mark runs now that's something that can really improve your efficiency if you want to get out there and uh, get going right off and and uh, you don't want to have to worry about finding a run or figuring out where the beaver are moving you can actually go out there in the summer and mark those runs you can put a maybe a dead stick or something uh, there on the edge of the run so all you gotta do is go back and find that stick after ice forms uh, go out chip your hole set your trap I don't go that far into it I think a lot can change from uh, fall to uh, midwinter so uh, I, I haven't gotten that that uh, much into it and I, I'm not really all that prepared another thing that I found is very effective getting uh, ready preseason is cutting getting your poles and your bait and sticks ready ahead of time so I've learned after going to several lodges where it was very difficult to find what I needed and I, I ended up spending more time snowshoeing around trying to find bait and find uh, dead poles and so on than I did actually setting traps and cutting ice so one of the things that I like to do before I get going in the season, I you know I wait till till things freeze up, so uh, the bait uh, won't go bad on you. But I'll go out and I will take my machete or axe, and I'll go cut uh, a bunch of bait, a bunch of aspen for bait. Um, we call it popple here in Maine. I'll cut a variety of different sizes depending on what I want to use. I will cut large aspen bait poles. And I will cut dead poles for uh, either to use as stabilizers for body grip traps, or to use as uh, as um, as poles to set baited bait baited sets on for you know baited snare sets or or foothold sets. So I find if I get a good stash of that put together ahead of time, um, just throw it in the truck or throw it on the sled behind the snowmobile, that can save a lot of time. Uh, you got to think about travel. So, can you get to your area by truck? Uh, is it effective using a snowmobile, or are you going to park the truck and go on snowshoes? I found that uh, pretty much um, I've used all three methods. Um, usually, the truck and snowshoes uh, when it's a, f a ways from the house. If I'm near my house, I'll go out on snowmobile. And then you got to think, of course, about the ice conditions. So ice, uh, ice can be pretty sketchy. You want to you want to be very wary of ice safety on these beaver flowages. So where you have a lot of beaver activity, um, the ice will often be worn thin under runs, especially shallow runs with a lot of beaver moving through. So something to be very aware of and uh, and be careful with. So. That's figuring out where the beaver are. Now, let's say you're going to go set up, and you did, like most of us, you did not do enough preseason work. So you may have a couple of lodges scouted out, and you go and trap those, and then there you are. You're looking for more places to trap, and you're not sure where they are. Who has tried to find beaver under the ice when you haven't scouted for them? It can be challenging. 
So one of your one of your best friends there can be uh, landowners who have seen beaver in the fall uh, around certain areas, and they can kind of point you in the right direction sometimes. Sometimes they can point you in a complete wrong direction. I've had that happen to me several times. Uh, but but overall, you're going to have to pound a lot of ground. And I have found myself snowshoeing up and down long distances of these flowages to try and find an active house um, an active dam and sometimes it's pretty frustrating you can go through three four five abandoned beaver flowages until you before you find an active one but a couple of tips on on finding active locations uh, number one you're always going to see the house even if the house is not being used uh, they'll, those houses will stick around for years and years and years and if you see the house is usually just going to be a sort of a bump uh, in in the snow on top above the ice level and go over to the house and one really good sign of an active beaver house is if you have a good steam hole at the top that it, there'll be an area oh probably about six to twelve inches in diameter that's going to be where the snow has been melted around the top of the house and that's uh, all the heat, usually the body heat from all the animals inside the house is exhausting up through the top and it's melting the snow there. If you got a pre pretty nice frost hole or steam hole there that's thawed out, uh, you probably have an active beaver lodge. Now, one thing to pay attention to is sometimes you can have that um, take place when you don't have beaver in an area. There could be a few muskrats living there. It could be otter or two that are moving back and forth and using that. And also sometimes just the heat from the water uh, underneath, the unfrozen water can kind of um, rise up in the beaver house and that heat from the water and from the ground can cause a little bit of melting as well. So so uh, you got to kind of see a few to get a better understanding of what it looks like when you have a really active one. But when you have an active one, usually you'll know it. And if you got a house that's completely covered in snow and nothing's melted out and the snow is not fresh, fresh snow, it's been there for a few days, you probably don't have anything in there. Looking around, if you can find a feed pile, that's an obvious thing. But usually the feed pile is going to be uh, submerged enough that you're not going to see it up above the ice. Usually there's ice and snow covering that up. Sometimes you might see a few pieces of sticks uh, bait sticks or feed sticks coming out of the top of the ice and snow uh, that is a sure sign that you have uh, an active beaver lodge there if you look around along the shoreline of the stream you and you see a lot of fresh cuttings where there's been uh, alders or aspens or other types of trees that have been cut either for food or to maintain the dam that's a good sign that you have an active beaver lodge and then one thing that I've done occasionally is uh, just chip a hole in front of the house. And if I, I'm not ready to set up and I'm just scouting, I'll sink uh, a stick, uh, like an aspen stick, down into the hole and come back a couple days later and see if anything's taken it. And obviously if something's taken it or chewed it up real good, you probably can guarantee that you got beaver there. So that's kind of scouting. Now... What do we need to trap beaver under the ice? Well, obviously you need your traps, whether those are footholds, conibears, or snares. 
Uh, you're going to need your bait. Uh, typically going to be aspen for for of a variety of different sizes. You're going to need probably something to cut the hole in the ice. Uh, that can be a chainsaw, an axe, a chisel. Uh, some people will use an ice auger um, or ice drill. You're going to want something to clean the ice out of the hole when you've you've cut the hole. So I use a big ice skimmer that that people use for ice fishing to uh, to clean that ice and slosh out of the hole. Um, you're going to need a lot of wire, a lot of wire, wire of different sizes. Uh, the wire you're going to need a large wi diameter wire to secure and anchor your traps or snares. Um, beaver can be pretty powerful, especially if they get some leverage. And wire can bend and bend and bend and sometimes break. So you don't want to take any chances with your wire. I like a really large diameter wire to anchor my traps. Um, I'm looking at a minimum of 11 gauge, uh, sometimes larger than 11 gauge. So, so that's what I want for anchoring, and that's what I'm going to run from my trap all the way up to a dead man or a large log uh, above the ice uh, to keep that animal from, from pulling free. You're going to need some smaller wire, so, so wire for anchoring your snares or anchoring your traps, and then some really small wire possibly for, uh, for tying down your bait. Uh, you can also use some nails, so nails and a hammer or a small axe uh, are also something you want to use. You want to bring a bunch of trap tags because if you set snares um, and you don't have, uh, you got to have tags to, to put on your poles. You're going to want um, probably some good wire cutters, some good pliers. Um, a Leatherman works pretty good. And uh, your traps and I, I like to use a machete. Um, I use that pretty often. And obviously your snowshoes and whatever other gear that you want. What I usually like to do is I'll take uh, a pack basket or a sled. And if I'm just setting up the first time and I don't have a lot of gear, I may just bring the pack basket on my back. But oftentimes I'll have a sled and I'll put either the pack basket inside it or I'll put the, uh, I'll have like a, a milk crate that I have all of my gear in, the small things in, like the wire and wire cutters and all that stuff, and I'll put that inside the sled, and I'll drag the sled over to my to my location. And then that way, when you're going to check, and if you, you make a catch or multiple catches, you can toss those beavers in the sled and drag them out, because um, they can be pretty heavy to carry out. So first thing you got to do when you get to the lodge and you figure out where you're at is cut your hole or holes and you can use a variety of different things if you if you don't have much ice a chisel can work pretty good um, I'm typically uh, where where I trap up in northern Maine extremely cold climate we almost always have lots and lots of ice by the time I get going so I'm dealing with between one to three feet of ice for the most part what I will do most times is I'll use a chainsaw and I like to cut just a, a big triangle in the ice with a chainsaw. Um, sometimes I have to cut that once, chip, chip it out, so I'll have both a chainsaw and an ice chisel. I'll cut my triangle with the saw. You can cut, some people like to cut a long narrow trench, some people like to cut a square or a rectangle or anywhere in between. Uh, the triangle seems 
to give me enough space and room to work um, and without having to, to cut a, a very large area, uh, surface area in the on the ice. So I'll cut that triangle out. If it's the ice is, my chainsaw, I usually have an 18-inch bar. If the ice is thicker than that, I'll cut out the top layer. I'll chip that out, pull those blocks up out of the ice, and I'll get step down a little bit and, and finish up the cut lower down. Um, you can use an ice auger, but typically you're going to have to drill multiple holes next to each other and then kind of chip out the, the, the areas of ice in between those holes to make a bigger hole that's all kind of connected. And uh, you can use, um, you know, you can use a chisel or an axe to do the whole thing, but I would not recommend it. In some cases, if you can get in a shallow run that's really active and, it, and the ice is thin, you can use a chisel and be very effective. Now, I want to talk about my approach when we're going to set up a beaver lodge under the ice. Um, I don't go into it knowing exactly what I'm going to use because every situation is different and I like to kind of scope things out and see see what it looks like before I decide what types of sets to make. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go right to the beaver house and I'm going to see if I can locate the house, I'm going to locate the dam and the feed pile. Usually uh, the dam and the house are really easy to find, the feed pile can be a little tougher. But I'm going to look at the house and I'm going to look at the dam and I'm going to try to visualize where the feed pile is likely to be and I'm going to cut uh, my first hole close to the beaver house and some people have restrictions you know you might have to set 10 feet back from the house you might have to set uh, or 15 feet or more depending on whether your state most states don't have that regulation but some do um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna cut my hole pretty close to the house where I think the feed pile might be and that first hole is usually gonna tell you quite a bit uh, sometimes you're gonna end up um, it, right right on top of a feed pile which is kind of difficult to make a set when all it is is uh, sticks that are going in all different directions all jumbled together uh, between the between the bottom of the ice and the ground um, sometimes you're gonna have nothing there but most of the time you're gonna be somewhat close to a run and you're gonna see uh, pe freshly peeled sticks and uh, chunks and pieces of sticks that beavers have been um, feeding on. So ideally you want to find the run and if you can find the run um, pretty much uh, half the work has been done. Uh, sometimes you're going to have to um, cut multiple holes in order to figure out where you're going to set but that is such a such a time suck. Uh, it's gonna gonna use up so much of your time. Uh, I like to be able to make a set in my first hole if it, if it's reasonably um, something that can be set up. So when I put that hole down, I, I have kind of a, a a hierarchy of decision making as far as what I'm gonna set in what situation. And the very first thing that I do, if if I can find a run easily. I'm I'm gonna set a 3:30 in the run, a 3:30 conibear in the run. That 100% of the time, I think to me that's the most, very much most effective method uh, of 
of catching that beaver if you if you cut a hole and you're right on the run set a 330 in the run no brainer if I am off the run a ways um, and I don't want to necessarily keep cutting holes and trying to find it I'm going to use a baited set and usually my baited set of choice is going to be a snare pole set um, in some cases I'll, I'll use a foothold set as well in, in that situation um, the way I, I'll set a 330 in a run uh, I won't go into it in too much detail uh, when I do the demonstration I'm actually going to uh, I'll probably just make like an A-frame with two sticks um, and to support the 330 and show how I stick that in the run pretty simple you can use uh, you make the A-frame you can make like these H-frame things you can nail a bunch of stuff together if you want to spend a lot of time on that uh, or if you don't mind carrying stuff around you can buy those uh, body grip stabilizers and just uh, stick that in uh, pretty quickly um, so so if the run is less obvious I'm gonna go to baited sets and I, I didn't mention uh, there, there are really three types of baited sets that I'm gonna use one is the snare pole set one is the baited body grip and one is the foothold, baited foothold. And the baited body grip is something that I, I, I used to be shy on and I've experimented with more and more and I'm starting to like it a little better. So the key to baited sets is if you're going to use bait, it's going to work best in mid to late winter. Early ice on, you're going to have a hard time with bait. And, and so that's okay because when you're when when the ice first forms you're not gonna have a lot of work chipping through ice anyway so I would spend my more effort in cutting more holes and figuring out where the runs are as opposed to trying to make a baited set there because early in the season the beaver has a nice big feed pile the feed is still pretty fresh uh, they have plenty to eat they're not necessarily gonna be that interested in your bait and especially if you're off the run a little ways, they're not traveling, a lot of times they, they won't even bother to, to move around to see it. So that, that is a key, is, is the baited sets work best mid to late winter. Usually, um, like this past winter, we had a really early freeze up and, and there were like first week in November we had uh, beaver lodges that were frozen up. So in that case, the, they were working on those feed piles pretty starting pretty early and in early January I was having good luck with baited sets uh, already uh, but usually you're talking like mid to late January and through February and March the bait works really well in April oftentimes you'll have uh, it warms up a little bit and there's places where the ice you'll get a little bit of open water and they a few beaver might poke out and access some of the the uh, feed up on land so sometimes baited sets won't work as well late in the season either so I think what I'll do is just describe really quickly and, and when I do the demo I'm going to show this uh, an example of this I'll describe the the baited 330 sets and the the baited foothold set and I won't spend much time on that because I want to spend more time on snaring and I'm actually kind of gauging the time here because if if this takes too long I may just focus entirely on snaring um, I think I have about an hour to do the demo so uh, the the baited 
the baited foothold set. We'll start with that. That's a pretty simple set. It's something that's been uh, very simplified over the years. It used to be extremely complicated. There's still a lot of ways that you can do it, but way back in the day, guys used to uh, make these real elaborate pens and like use sticks to make these like semicircle, huge semicircle pens to get the beaver to go in and then have bait toward the back of the pen. And when the beaver go in, the trap would be right in front of the bait. Uh, and there are a bunch of different uh, approaches that people have tried in the past. And I think for the most part, it's not worth the effort to go through all of that. <laughs> so uh, we seem to be able to catch plenty of beaver nowadays with these simple methods. So the the baited set of choice for me is a number 14 Oneida jump trap. That's like the number four jump with the teeth on it. That's the quintessential main under ice beaver foothold. And uh, if you can get those with pretty strong spring in them, um, they're incredibly effective. They work very, very well. They hold beaver well, uh, great trap. And I'll have that set up on a pole um, and I'll have a pole set down, a dead pole, set down through the ice, through the water at kind of uh, an angle off of vertical, not 45 degrees and not vertical, uh, maybe somewhere in between the two. And I'll have that set in there and near the top of the water column, like under the ice just a short ways, maybe s 6 to 12 inches under the ice, I'll have some sticks nailed to that pole. These will be live, um, you know, fresh popple sticks or aspen. And they can be anywhere in diameter from the size of your pinky finger uh, all the way up to maybe inch and a half, two inches. Um, that probably seems to be about right. And you have two, three, four of those uh, nailed to the tree or to the pole. And then you're going to have a platform that your trap sets on underneath the bait. And one of the mistakes I've made in the past is setting that trap too far below the bait. You want that trap as close to the bait as it can get without getting in the way, the bait getting in the way of closing the trap. So usually just like one to three inches below the bottom of the bait sticks is where where I want to have that trap set. And you can you can probably deal with four to five inches okay. But what's gonna happen is the beaver is swimming up to the surface after that bait it sees the bait and it's looking for a place to plant a foot as it grabs the bait um, usually with the other foot um, and so in these are you're talking front feet this is going to be a front foot uh, set so the beaver is going to swim up the trap sets there on top of a, a support and the trap is attached to the support with just a little bit of wire maybe half a turn um, not very tight so uh, so the trap, when it sets off, it can be pulled away from that support. Um, but that trap is set there, and as the beaver's swimming up, the trap looks just like a nice flat platform. That pan of the trap is just perfect place to stick my foot and, and uh, push off of, stabilize myself as I grab these nice bait sticks to feed on. And that's how you make a nice front foot catch. The beaver gets caught, pulls, and it will, will separate that half twist of wire, and it'll get loose. You don't want that wire down tight because uh, in some cases you can have the animals pull out if the trap doesn't have any give to it. So you want to let them swing out and, and give them some room to kind of move around once they're caught. 
So that's a simple baited, uh, baited under ice set. There's some guys that use, I think they call it the chair set. They they kind of make they make these wooden kind of support things that set at an angle and make the trap set at a nice little angle for for the beaver to use. Um, I usually just uh, nail together two like uh, one by four pieces of board that are like oh eight ten inches long and I'll nail those uh, to each side of the uh, pole and then nail them together or screw them together on the on the outside end and so it forms kind of like a long narrow triangle of, of sorts and that's a nice little platform to set that foothold trap on so that's basically the the baited foothold set I don't use it much I, I use it some I usually I'll experiment with it here and there um, you don't have to use 14s necessarily you can use number fours uh, you could use number three jumps I wouldn't recommend it you can use number four coil springs um, although I have had uh, I I got some brand new Duke number four coils that were four coiled and I've had I had uh, the first time I set one of those on a baited pull set a couple years ago uh, the very first set I had a pull out um, beaver pulled his foot out of it so um, not not really a huge fan of that um, the, it was a case where I let him get a little too much leverage it was probably uh, partly my fault but um, still there you, you got to be aware of that that there's always a chance that um, that that could happen uh, the TS85s I have not used on these but I would like to try this winter I will uh, almost certainly try some TS85s on those baited pole sets and see how they work. They make a nice high catch with that big jaw spread, so I think they they work pretty good. Uh, we'll see if they hold quite well. I think with the the high levers, once that closes up, I think the um, the lockup is really good on those, so I th I think they'll hold pretty nicely. Um, but hey, you never know. You got to experiment. So that's the baited foothold set. Um, people have done it a million different ways and a lot of people have all kinds of other ways to do it but that's the simple way I do it the baited body grip set um, this is using a 330 bear body grip trap and I, there are a couple ways to do this and I've done it a couple ways and I thought I knew what I was doing when I started and I learned that you know sometimes there are a lot of misconceptions uh, in trapping and in everything in life and you really have to try things yourself before you necessarily write things off so uh, I've, I've always been taught in the past that uh, a body grip trap should not be allowed to move um, it should be stationary uh, the animal moves through it the, the trap does not move and I always kinda went with that and so when I started setting some baited body grips for beaver I was mounting the 330 to a pole and typically the way I do it and I still do this set I'll still make it um, and it works uh, but I'll set I'll run the the two spring eyes on the 330 through a pole and then I will uh, attach those I usually put like a wooden wedge knit, uh, pound in a wedge in between one or two of the spring eyes to get them tight against the pole and I will wire a stick uh, an aspen stick uh, probably about the diameter of my thumb or a little bit bigger but not much bigger to the opposite 
one of the jaws opposite of the trigger, uh, of where the dog and trigger are. And you set that down to where it's kind of set in sideways. So, like, say, if you're using the Duke 330s, you know, they're a little wider than they are tall. Uh, you set them so that the the taller end is, is vertical, uh, or the taller side is vertical. And I'll set that into a place where there there is beaver activity, and the idea is the beaver is sees the stick, goes to grab the stick, and ends up moving through the trap um, while it's either feet trying to feed on the stick. Uh, I think what they're doing is is trying to get it off of that um, of of that loose jaw of of the not the loose jaw but the opposite jaw of the trigger, and their back is is probably what. Uh, their back or maybe back of their neck is what's going to trip that trigger and fire the trap. Um, it works. It, I've also had misses with it. Um, the the big the pro of the the 330 is um, it's pretty easy to set up. The con is if you miss a beaver in a baited 330, they're never going to come. That beaver is never going to go back, um, and most likely never going to go back into that set so you, you've you've educated a beaver there the, the the thing that I never really got into and I learned later on was the Johnny Thorpe swinging under ice 330 set and this is 100% learned it from Johnny Thorpe's under ice beaver trapping video uh, I had a friend that that had that video and told me about it and I first heard about it I thought there's no way that that doesn't make sense you're just gonna let that thing swing under the ice and not you're not stabilizing the 330 at all I thought it was kind of kind of a joke like that that can't work or that's you know that's not much of a set and I watched the video and Johnny was pretty convincing in that video and, and he swore by it so I thought I'm gonna try it what the heck do I have to lose and so uh, this past winter, I, I started using that, and um, I think I was uh, three or four beavers in a row with that set. I never had a miss. I never had a miss with that set. So the way that set works is you basically just take a 330, you put the bait similar on the opposite side uh, of the jaw to the trigger, and you wire that into to that jaw, and again you're putting. I'll I'll visually demonstrate this when I do a demo. But you're putting you're wiring that so that the stick is on the inside of the jaw. What when the trap is set, and you're attaching a wire to each of the spring eyes on the 330, and you're lowering that down through the ice, and so that trap that 330 is hanging by its two spring eyes two pieces of wire and you attach that wire to a, a pole up above the ice securely and so that thing's kinda setting just a few inches below the ice loose just just there and the way Johnny described it and, and I would recommend you buy Johnny Thorpe's under ice beaver video for to really like see exactly how he does this because uh, it, it's pretty unique and the video doesn't really it, he doesn't do a lot in the video it's not the most in-depth but I would say it's worth the cost of the DVD just just to see 
one or two of those sets that he makes. So what's happening here, and the way he describes it is the beaver is is passing by, and, and he does another little something. Uh, he, he puts a bait stick near the 330, a small bait stick, to kind of attract the beaver, and, and oftentimes they'll take that, and then they'll, they'll, that'll kind of get their attention to the bait that's on the 330, um, and they'll come back for that. And they'll come by, they get a little visual attractor there, they see the bait on the 330, and, and the beaver, what's probably happening is he's going and he's grabbing that bait with his two front feet. And one thing to think about with beaver is they're not necessarily chewing on, they're not going to feed while they're underwater necessarily. I mean, they you see spots where they chew on stuff, but I think what what's happening for the most part is they what they want to do is break that piece off or cut it off and take it back to the lodge and feed on and feed on that in the lodge in the house when they where they they're actually in open air and they can breathe uh, so the beaver wants to grab that with his two front feet and he's going to grab that and use his momentum to just keep on moving forward he's not going to grab that and try to back out from the opening of the trap he's going to grab that and he's going to push himself right through the jaws of the trap, trip that trigger, and get caught. And it works so far, and what, what I, a little bit I've used it, it works like clockwork. Um, and, and Thorpe swears by it. Uh, he uses it very common. Now, again, going back to the earlier, what I talked about with blind sets and with runs, don't go ahead and set this in a run. Um, you got to run, you go 330, set, set the blind set. Um, I wouldn't try to mess with with this in a run. I, some guys do hang 330s from wires with run uh, in runs. I've seen that more recently, and I guess it does work. But I'd rather still have a stabilized trap in a run myself. Now, um, all that being said, that's that's baited 330s, and there's a few. There's other ways to do it, but I think uh, you can bait the trigger. Um, that's probably the first thing people think of when they think baited 330s is put bait on the trigger I don't I would not recommend it um, I think a lot of times you put bait on the trigger and the beaver if it goes to grab that bait those sticks with with his front feet he's gonna set that trap off and get hit pretty hard in the in the paws and he's gonna take off probably not maybe I gotta try this with Belisles maybe it might work uh, with the, the magnum uh, jaws, but for the most part, you're going to get an educated beaver doing that. Um, they're not going to push, try to push their head through or their body through a uh, bait on a trigger, and they're not usually, probably not going to go and try to bite down on that bait, um, the trigger, and then get caught right behind the neck. That that just doesn't that doesn't work. Um, doesn't seem to work. It, maybe some people have used it, have done it successfully, but. Um, I think these other types of baited sets with 330s are far more effective. All right, folks, that's going to do it for tonight's episode. Thank you so much for listening in. We're going to continue in next week's episode with the snaring portion of under ice beaver trapping. So stay tuned for that. And uh, be sure to check out my book, Fur Profit, A Trapper's Guide to the Modern Fur Market. You can find that at Amazon at trappingtoday.com, Cots Bros, PCS Outdoors, F&T for Harvesters Trading Post, and a number of other places. Thanks so much for your support, and we'll catch you on the next episode.